0: Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California, and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. Well, a pleasant afternoon, and welcome everybody to The Water Zone Show. I'm your host, Rob Starr. And actually, I'm going to say along with Mr. Chris Davies, but he's in a business meeting at the moment. Uh, down the hall so uh, hopefully when he gets done with that extended meeting he'll come jump on the show Uh, but we do have our one of our favorite participants and and part of our show and she is the purveyor of maven's notebook so please welcome miss chris austin chris welcome how are you doing today
1: i'm doing pretty good rob how are you doing i'm great how's the weather did hillary get to you uh, Hillary did not make it up this far north. I mean, not with. I mean, we got a few sprinkles, but no big deal. But boy, I tell you, down there in the desert in Palm Springs, they had a lot of problems. A lot of water uh, closed the tan, uh, and some roads in Palm Springs. He got washed out. Um, I think Palm Springs for the worst of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, up here not so, not so much. So, wow. uh,
0: you know, well, that's good. They, they were thought we were going to get some out here in Arizona, but all we got is sprinkles. At least I did in my, in my area and, uh, sprinkles lasted maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> that was about the, end. we did, we did get winds at strong winds, uh, for one day. But, uh, other than that, it's been beautiful. Sunny's outside right now. It's, uh, Oh, as it say, it is out there. It's a eighty-one. Boy, that's cool! Wow, I've, I, I
1: Whoa. haven't been out. I Get haven't a
0: jacket. I, oh, yeah, I haven't been out all day, so I've been working on my phones and computers, So, uh, pretty, pretty interesting. So, what's new in the water world? I know there's uh, the water board puts a pause on on flows to Shasta and Scott <laughs> rivers. What's happening with that? Are they, is it uh, too full?
1: <laughs> <coughs> no, no. Um, you know the the Scott River and the Shasta River are these uh, rivers up in the very far northern part of California, um, very rural areas, and uh, there's a there's agriculture up there that draws water from those rivers, and they've been having a problem uh, with flows in the rivers. They've been having problems with flows in the river, the Scott River, for quite some time, uh, with the uh, the farmers in there being being accused of take of pumping too much groundwater and diverting uh, water that co- and causing the river to dry up uh, at certain times of the year. And I mean, there are pictures certainly of a Scott River that is a dry, sandy riverbed in in the middle of the summer. And there should be flows there all year long. Um, and the Scott River has uh, salmon that do feed, I believe, into the Klamath at some point farther downstream. And so, you know, they want, they're working, uh, there are those that are working for, uh, to restore the salmon in that river. And, uh, and then the farmers there are also trying to figure out how they can farm and, uh, you know, and keep water in the river. Uh so it's a it's a pretty uh, um, oh, what's the word? There's two sides that are that are on opposite sides, and they're uh, they're trying to work it out. So the tribe that is in the area filed a petition with the state water board to um, they want them to set minimum in stream flow requirements. Uh, meaning, you know, to set a, a level at which the river should not flow below, you know. Right, or, so it's consistent. how
0: right, do, how, right. how do
1: they, how do they know who
0: takes water out of it? They have well, a way to measure. They, they measure it. I mean, is there meters on this thing, or I um, could just bring a pump and start pumping it out?
1: Well, no, you can't. You. you You can't go on, you know, drive up to a river and sling a a pipe into it and fill up your water truck. That would be definitely against the law. But, uh, you know, they know the farmers that have uh, diversion rights to the water, uh, and they have stream gauges. Uh, USGS has some stream gauges in the area, so they can see... When you know they have one up above the Scott River Valley and one below the Scott River Valley, and so they can see the the water drop, the water level drop when everyone turns on their their pumps. Yeah. Um, then that's the you know there's the surface water, but then there's also groundwater. Okay, and groundwater is you know the groundwater in the area is connected to the river. And so when you, if you pump a lot of groundwater, that also is going to reduce the stream flow in the river. So right. it's not just surface, it's the groundwater. And so the the tribe is asking uh, the state to step in. And I think the farmers are saying, we would like a chance to to work on a collaborative solution. And so I think that this hearing has sort of set that in motion, that uh, that they're going to try to come to the table and see if they can work out a deal on their own, but the, also the state water board is taking it seriously as well. Now, there are two articles that I posted on <laughs> about this hearing, and they both kind of say different things. Uh, the one from uh, in the local paper, paper the eureka time standard talks about how they put uh that they decided to keep the emergency regulation that was enforced they they put that back in force because it i guess it had expired and then as soon as it expired then they the everyone turned on the pumps and the water dropped water levels dropped again so they they reinstated that and they're going to start looking at determining what the in-stream flows are. But then the article from the California Farm Bureau Federation just says that uh, the state water board, uh, you, as you quoted, put the pause on on the, the flows. Uh, and I'm kind of tending to go with the Eureka Times uh, article. I do believe... Um, the thing is, it was a very long, long meeting, and I had intended to write this up in my donor sponsor newsletter. But when I went to look at the recording, uh, the recording ended after the end of public comment, and it does not say I couldn't tell you what the water board decided to do. <laughs> so, because uh, I, I can't verify that from the tape. But I'm I'm going with what the Eureka Times Standard says. Um, it was a very long meeting. I mean, like literally, nine thirty, ten o'clock, they were still discussing it. I looked at wow. it before I went to bed, and 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 I the start of the conversation that I got was the water board is going to take some action. I mean, they they didn't not they didn't not listen to six hours of testimony to to you know say there's nothing going on here so they seemed like they were going to take some direction so but yeah it's uh it's a controversial uh situation up there but as is many
0: i thought i thought they uh state would send somebody up in a jeep and go look at the farms and
1: uh is
0: that that's chris davy calling it hold on one second (laughs) hi chris we're on the air how are you doing He's speechless. Okay, we'll see you in a few seconds. All right, bye-bye. I uh, <laughs> was Chris calling in on the phone, on a private phone, so he, he'll be coming in. Uh, yeah, I was always thinking that somebody from the, uh, the water board would drive up to each farm and see who's got the best-looking crops, and then they figure they're the ones pulling the water out. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, well, I you know, oddly, I I don't think that the state water board necessarily has that that much of an enforcement power. Um I, I don't I'm not sure that they can just go out to a stream and take a look. And actually, that's part of what this water rights legislation was trying to implement was trying to give the water board some ability to look at, into water rights on a particular river when there's questions. But currently, the way there the legislation or the the legislation that affects what the state water board can do, what's in effect, says that they basically cannot initiate a stream investigation on their own. Uh, only someone on that river can initiate a petition and ask them to look. But, you know, they just can't go look. Um, yeah. In you know, kind of this odd system that we have here.
0: Yeah. You know, every day everybody's using water. And,
1: uh, you know, yeah, but stream certain. gauges, yeah, the stream gauges do tell the story yep. know, pretty well. Uh, yep. You know what's going on, but uh, you know it, these are—it's just hard, even in the in the year where. Well, what's interesting also too is even in the year where we seem to have so much water, um, there are some areas that did not get a lot of water, and uh, the Klamath Basin also has a little bit of a. Uh, a little bit of a drought situation going on, and as do some places up in Oregon.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, still in extreme drought. Well,
0: I also heard that uh, they're filling, you know, to fill new reservoirs. That gives lots of uh, gives off greenhouse effects. So that's, well, that's,
1: that's,
0: yeah, trying kind to of hold back on that as well.
1: Well, I mean, this is this is something that uh, I think we've known about. You know, anything that uh anything where something is rotting tends to give off methane and when you fill up a reservoir there's lots of uh lots of vegetation and things that uh that decay into the water and it, and that gives off uh methane which is a greenhouse gas um, and this is now uh becoming a bit of a conversation uh, the Patagonia company uh, sponsored uh, the work of the, the Friends of the River to take a look at this, because Friends of the River is an opponent to the Sites Reservoir project, which is uh, up here in north Northern California. It's a new reservoir that they want to build. Right. Um, I think this particular reservoir has a really a pretty good chance of getting built. It has a lot of support, uh, broad based support, and people. Uh, willing to buy the water. Um, It's it's an off-stream reservoir, meaning that it doesn't block a river. They're actually going to build it in a valley, and it's not just one dam. It's actually, I think, three dams to kind of build the bowl, you know, for the valley to hold the water. And uh, they're going to put the water in it um, from, you know, from these large, atmospheric river storms uh, that put a lot of water down the the rivers because one problem that we had this year, yes, it was very, very wet, but we actually filled up our storage
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and we've actually filled it up so much that there's this water is left on the table. I think Metropolitan has access to 400,000 acre feet more than it can find a place to store. Uh, and they would dearly love to store more. Um, And this has happened in extremely wet years before. You know, when you're building infrastructure, how you size it is important. And, you know, when we built a lot of the system that we had, they built for, you know, a certain amount that they thought it could take, but... You know, again, we go back to California as a snow fed system. We're depending on the snow in the mountains to melt and bring down. And these atmospheric river storms are sort of changing that now. Now they're dumping a lot of water on the valley floor below the dams. And so, how do we store that water? Um, groundwater recharge sure as much as we can filter into the base basins you know and certainly everyone tried that this year but Slices is, is a reservoir that is primed to uh to take that kind of water although again you know we're, there's some uncertainty as to whether that water exists and how many atmospheric river storms are we going to have and how is that they're going to fill that lake there are those questions um But going back, you know, to the greenhouse gas story, this is, you know, the opponents of the reservoir pointing this out. I guess, you know, I, I don't really, I, I, it almost sounds like they're saying that you shouldn't build reservoirs because they're (laughs) going to, you know, and I don't see how we cannot, I mean, reservoirs have to be part of the game. They just, you know, we we cannot do without surface storage because we need to be able to store that water and we can't get it all into groundwater. And, you know, and we need to have that water available for fires and for for what we need. And in in California, you know, we built a lot of reservoirs and we don't have many uh, suitable places left. And this is one suitable place. So, you know... I I don't know what uh I don't know what exactly you're supposed to do with this information because I don't think we cannot have surface storage reservoirs because they emit methane. No, but I mean, about a year
0: about a year ago, we had the gentleman who was managing that project on our show, and he was uh, pumped about it, and, and so were we. Chris Chris has just joined. Uh, he's he's been hanging on. He just uh, came by.
2: Chris, come on in. Hey kids how you doing? Sorry to be uh late there. You know I love I love the water zone, you know that, but sometimes my job job job
0: <laughs> runs <laughs> a
2: bit runs a bit late and uh as it did as it did today. So yeah, I've been listening to uh, the last 5 minutes of the conversation. I don't know what you're talking about, but uh sites reservoir I heard mentioned and water and surface water storage. So um is it related at all to a, uh, a, a signed H.R. 3684 Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act that was just put into place for 150000 or sorry, $150 million for water storage and conveyance projects in the western U.S., not just California. There'd be Colorado and, and Washington do uh, as well, Washington State. Um, a lot of it to bring, of course, clean and reliable drinking water to uh, uh, to communities, but I read that there were like six water storage and conveyance projects that were up, and it's all part of President Biden's investing in America agenda. So, yeah, I'm sure that Chris, if that's on your radar,
1: well, yeah, I, I did post that. I think that was actually last week or something. Yeah, it was the
2: 18th. I think was uh, was when that article came out.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, they then they are investing in water storage. I think there was 50 million in there. For for uh, various water storage projects in California, and you know water storage is very expensive uh, these costs are in the billions with a B, so uh, you know multiple funding sources are really required, and they certainly apply for anything that they can so, um is good when this happens. And by, you know, using these government grants to build these expensive projects, it helps to keep water affordable for the ratepayers because they're the ones that are you know, that have to pay for these projects, uh, so the grants really
2: help. Yeah, I just I guess I wanna just point out to make sure that the listeners knew and those of that are those of them who have read uh the article on Maven's notebook that 150 million dollars doesn't sound like much, and in the scheme of these sorts of projects and the cost that uh, that they run with, um, it isn't because most of these big uh, projects, as you said, you know, Chris, just a few minutes ago, come from uh, multiple funding uh, sources. So I mean, you know, as you said, some of them are <laughs> billions with a B. So 150 million, uh, not so much, but at least uh, you know, at least it's something, and it's uh, it's part of those funds that were. Allocated back in 2021, uh, so it's nice to see them being uh, being used.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And you know the these these projects try to apply for every grant possibility they have, and so you know it's really helpful, and it it helps with water affordability again because that's that's the big thing. You know, making the rate payers pay more—it's hard. And water affordability is an issue, especially as we look to to add different water sources to our right. supplies. You know, recycled water—you know—that's great, but it's also very expensive. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. No. Yeah. No doubt. Sure. How about? Uh, Chris, sorry, Rob. I was just going to ask Chris just one one more quick thing, um, and I can apologize for being late. So, I but I do have my notes. Hey, Chris. So, did you get any remnants from uh, from the hurricane from uh, Miss Hillary as it went through? You know, I mean, in my house, where I live, right against the San Gabriel Mountains in Southern California. Here, I filled and emptied my four inch rain gauge twice. So we got <laughs> close to close to eight inches uh, of rain. And let me tell you something else. Did you know? Did you know, Chris and Rob, there was an earthquake on that same day that went oh, yes. through. Oh yes, the earthquake. Yeah, how many people do you know that have been through a hurricane and an earthquake in the same day?
0: <laughs> you were yeah.
2: lucky. <laughs> yeah, lucky.
0: Well, this I I I I I know uh Davy. I uh I, I, the story that she was uh I haven't asked her about, but I know it pertain it would pertain and of interest to you about uh, cuz you like fishing a lot. And um You know, there was a halt on fishing around uh, California for a while, but uh, they just released 23 million Chinook salmon. I thought maybe Chris can talk about that to you and let you know that uh, you can get all anglered up and get ready to go. Oh, no,
1: no, 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 not not with these. These are baby, baby salmon, So they're not going to be ready to be caught for a couple years. But he may Uh, have a,
0: Chris, Chris may have a pond in his yard.
1: <laughs> I did, well, I, that, that would be
0: I did. a little
2: hard with salmon.
0: Well, worst uh, case, he has. Worst case, he, I know he has a jacuzzi, so you can put a couple in there, and let them grow. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Rob, I can tell you, I did have a pond in my yard last Sunday when uh, Hillary came through, and we had a. You know, I've got dry river beds in my native garden, as you know, Rob. uh yes. Two thirds of my of my uh, land is uh, all been converted over the last fifteen years to uh, all natives. And uh, and it's a thriving a thriving garden, and I do have some dry riverbeds. Last Sunday they were not so dry, my friend.
0: Uh, well, I think I've been to your house as you know, Chris, and I think yeah. you have a awesome yard that should be in a published magazine. you did it right. <laughs> your, your vegetable gardens, your flower gardens, everything you yeah. have is just wonderful. I, I I don't have a green thumb like you do, so.
2: Hey, it's a, it's a hobby, buddy. Where else can you spend, you know, $185 to grow four pounds of tomatoes? <laughs> Don't <laughs> tell my wife that. Yeah. <laughs> but so, nothing beats a
1: homegrown tomato. That's sure. true. That's true. Yeah. So...
0: Wait. Go ahead. Any any other great news going?
1: Well, I was just going to you know elaborate a little bit on the salmon. That yes, the Department of Fish and Wildlife released 23 million baby salmon around in various parts. Um, uh, when I first read this, I thought you know, and the picture that they sent with it is a uh, is is showing them a truck dumping them into the water. But uh, these. They didn't truck, I mean, they did take some salmon out and put them in San Pablo Bay and in some of the harbors, but they also ran a lot of these fish right down the rivers, which is, you know, how nature intended uh, that, that that they do. 23000000 million. They're trying to make up for the loss of fall run chinook salmon and sort of the temperature problems that we've had. Uh, but these salmon won't be returning um, and won't be ready to be eaten for about three years because they're, they're headed out to sea now where they're going to hopefully eat and get big and and return to the rivers. Uh, it's, it's the river that they were born on um, and, and sometimes to the very ripple in which their, their egg was hatched. It's one of the amazing miracles of nature.
0: That it is. That it is. We got to end there for our commercial break, and, and Miss Austin, we are always proud and happy to have you as part of our show every single week. And you sure bring a lot of information to us. I mean, Chris, Chris Davy, and I read your stuff every single morning when we turn our PCs on. It's it's right there. Plus your weekly uh, stuff that you put out for our listeners. You really got to go to uh, www.mavensnotebook.com and, and check that out. It's it's just an awesome source. Knowing everything about water that you need to know that you don't see anywhere else, and uh, you can become a subscriber, which is a great thing to do. You can also become a, a, a sponsor, and that's also an awesome thing to do. And like I always say, Chris Austin must be up 20, 23 hours a day to get all the work that she does <laughs> and cover all all the stuff that she does. She's amazing. I wish I had that uh, that passion to do it that much, but uh, I'm off in a different area anyway. So. Uh, Anyway, Chris, thank you very much for being on the show this week. Again, as you always are every single week, we do appreciate that. And we hope you'll keep nice and cool, not so hot, get no rain, uh, and just have a good time and a good weekend. And we will see you and hear you back on our show next week.
1: All right. Good evening, everyone. Have a great week,
2: Chris.
0: All right, we're going to take a little break. We have our featured guest coming up, so stick around. This person is a very nice person and, uh, I'll give you a hint. She works for the Irrigation Association, but she's really smart, and she's going to give us lots of information about something special coming up. So stick around. We'll be back in just a moment.
3: KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day. So you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete, streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi Fi enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts, so keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA, some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. AquaTrack is Arizona based and you can reach us at 623-594-8689, that's 623 623- Five nine four eight six eight nine. This is KCAA.
0: All right. So welcome. Welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone. Chris, jump in, please.
2: All right, buddy. I've no pool near me anywhere close, but I'll try to. I'll, you know, just got the screen here. So let's see if I can make it work. Well, welcome uh-huh. back, everybody, to the second half of the Water Zone radio show program. I'm your host, Chris Davy, along with the ever knowing and ever present Rob Starr. Glad to see you back at the mic there, uh, Rob. So, yeah, second uh-huh. half, here, we do have a special guest. Rob gave you a little bit of a uh, uh, hint, I think, about our next guest. So uh, let me introduce her. Her name is Noreen Rich. She is uh, currently the member engagement and industry relations director for the Irrigation Association, and she's been at the Irrigation Association for a while. She was uh, she served as uh, the IA's foundation director and senior marketing manager. Um, there's been uh, other jobs. We've seen Noreen around there, and her presence has been uh, known. She's worked on Lots of initiatives at the IA, like um, member of satisfaction, uh, strategic relationships, uh, and she had a career before that as well. She's been VP of marketing at a company called Finseca, uh, also chief chief membership officer for the American Medical Student Association. And uh, she has uh, a couple of degrees as well and some certifications, ASAE certified association executive. She holds a master's degree in business administration from University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. I think that's uh, Willie Warhawk, if I'm not uh, mistaken there. We'll have to ask Noreen about that. Uh, and a bachelor's in English from uh, New Mexico State University. I think I've covered most of it. So welcome to the show, Noreen. I think she should keep Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris Rob. Um, it's always kind of interesting to hear
4: what. Is on you about on paper. So thank you for the kind introduction. But yes, I did serve with the Irrigation Association from 2007 to 2014, and I'm officially back as of last September, full time. And an exciting time to be back, honestly. So lots, lots happening.
0: Congrats! So we have to send a letter to your boss so you can get a raise now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> we, we'll
1: talk about we, that after this.
0: Okay, we know we know Natasha. She's a nice lady, <laughs> so we'll do that. But one question uh, I, I always ask, and then I'll let Chris jump in with all the rest of the questions. What drove you to the Irrigation Association? How did you get to here?
4: Yeah, um, as for a number of nonprofit association professionals, we kind of fell into it. So as I got my undergraduate degree at New Mexico State, I ended up moving to the Washington, D.C. area in 2007, and so that was my kind of second job out of college after working at a newspaper for about a year after graduating. And so I kind of fell into the nonprofit world. The irrigation Association had to be that organization I fell into, and so I was there for a long time, did a lot of experiences, um, learned a lot, but also knew I needed to kind of go see what else was out there. So it's actually been very rewarding and uh, kind of an opportunity to bring back some of the things I've seen. And other areas back to the irrigation association and this industry in particular um, you know it has a great energy about it and I think the people are really great and the mission is great and so coming back was actually a very easy decision especially with a lot of change going on and trying to be part of that change and you know apply what I've learned now so it's good to be back
2: awesome yeah, Chris so- jump right in. Glad to hear it, uh, Noreen, Of course, uh, you know, on our day jobs here at Toro, Rob and I uh, are uh, great supporters of the Irrigation Association, always have been, and uh, and always will be. We've had several of your members uh, on, uh, sorry, several of your staff, uh, the IA staff, on before, um, and uh, you seem to be kind of regulars on here. So you know, we'll we'll have some magazine stuff on here. We'll have introductions. To uh, new people that uh, come to the uh, IA, the Irrigation Association. So great to have you on this show. I know we're going to talk a lot about the Irrigation Show coming up here um, uh, in this segment, uh, and and I also just want you know just want to post up our listeners that like to get a little bit of background and some history as well. But first, why don't you tell us you know just about the Irrigation Show? Lots of our listeners will know about it for sure, Noreen, but. Kind of give everybody, you know, the view of uh, what the irrigation show is.
4: Yeah, I mean, so there's a number of facets to the show, and we try to make a very kind of holistic experience, because it is the show of the year, from our opinion, and we hope the industry agrees. I mean, I guess if I had to do a quick snapshot of a few words, I would say, you know, the irrigation show and education week is really about innovation, education, socialization, and even a little bit of fun, and so... I think that goes back to trying to have a holistic uh, event for the industry, to kind of come together, learn together, network together, and make progress as an industry together. And so that's kind of in a nutshell what I would describe the show as being about um, for for us.
2: There is a ton of uh, of attendance at uh, at this show, and it and it remains to be a great a great show uh, year after year after year. Um, it's something I think most of the manufacturers, the distributors, uh, contractors, you know, the current the, the current uh, folks or segments of our industry that you attract uh, look forward to every year. Um, and this year, the location uh, is where?
4: Yeah, so this year the show is going to be held in San Antonio, Texas, and the official show dates are going to be November 27th through December 1st. And, yeah, to your point, I mean, we do host um, thousands of irrigation professionals to come out for the show. And there are hundreds of irrigation and lighting exhibiting companies as well. So even though irrigation may be our primary uh, focus, we do also um, participate with some lighting companies as well. So lots of interaction um, happening in San Antonio this year, November 27th through December 1st.
2: And sometimes you, you've you done the show in cooperation um, with uh, with other organizations as well. Is there, is there anything like that happening this year?
4: There is not this year. We have done it in previous years. Um, some venues are a little bit more better suited for it, particularly depending on who we partner with. There has been conversations about maybe the next year or two also doing partnership with some other organizations to host or co-host the show. But this year in San Antonio, it's just all irrigation associations.
3: All right.
2: Well, I'll let Rob jump in here in a second. But one more question, and I'll let, uh, I'll let Rob have, uh, ask a couple of things. But if I, was, if I was a contractor, I'm new to the industry, um, I'm, I've seen the show, I've talked to my colleagues, and, and they all say it's a great, great place to go because there's lots of stuff to do, and we'll talk about you know education and networking and all that in just a minute. But if I'm a, if I'm a new person, what, what is the irrigation, uh, the IA show in 2023, what's that going to offer me?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's the things you kind of mentioned about education and networking. I mean, um, you know, first and foremost, the IA University offers kind of our core curriculum, which is great for people either getting into the industry or looking to make sure they are um, trained appropriately for the industry or just even send their people to also become those kind of qualified individuals. The networking is actually, and socialization is a really big component of it, building and expanding your network, um, finding colleagues and peers with same challenges, um, discussing opportunities, um, there's a fair amount of cooperation at these kinds of events, which is kind of interesting because in some instances they may be your competitors, but it's a great opportunity for people to actually come together and build those networks of sharing knowledge, kind of continue to advance everybody's industry and keep moving forward together as, a comp- as an organization. So as a new person, I mean, I would expect cannot stress enough to taking advantage of maybe some of the opportunities around like a first-timers roundtable, great place to meet people who are at the show for their first time as well, build that network, then you kind of have a cohort to kind of mingle throughout the show with and build that network as well, and expand your guys' knowledge set as you're there. So the contractors, um, they also, the trade show floor, right, the exhibit hall, that's where they get to talk to all the manufacturers, the dealers, distributors, all the new technologies that is and critical to continuing to have a competitive advantage. And so that is the place to go to learn all about what is happening now, what is coming next, and how they as companies, contractor companies, continue to be, like, on the edge of that, aware of it, and using it to their advantage to better position their companies.
0: You can tell us a little about, uh, you know, as, as you said, people come there for all different purposes, but you have – We talked about education and training. Maybe you can talk about what kind of certifications, do you uh, classes do you offer, and also talk about your bookstore. That I I love walking through that and getting getting books and information. That's probably the best place to get anything you want to know about irrigation. is is right there. Can you expound on that a little bit?
4: Yeah, certainly. So in terms of certification exams, so we do offer all of the IA certification exams are going to be offered at the show. There is a registration date of November 6th for that. So if anybody is interested in sitting for an exam, make sure you register in time because we do need a little prep work. There are seven different exams. um, So certified irrigation technician, there's more of an entry level, which is a great one, especially for maybe some of those contractor companies, the landscape irrigation auditor, golf irrigation auditor, Irrigation contractors, another certification, irrigation designer for landscape. And we also do have the ag, um, so not as relevant for the landscape audience, but there is an agricultural irrigation specialist designation and an irrigation designer for ag as well. I think the most important thing about certifications is it is a impartial third-party endorsement of this person's knowledge and expertise. And so it does give people an advantage in the marketplace, and you can use it to promote your company, your services, actually, an individual because you hold the individual certification and that is a way for you to kind of uh, differentiate yourself from your competition and then in terms of classes so we have a couple different learning opportunities that will be at the irrigation show so ia university is the primary one and as i referenced earlier that is kind of the core curriculum so there's a lot of fundamental and practical skills that are going to be um there for people to take advantage of in terms of registering for that So um, needing to design or install or maintain irrigation systems, if that's anything you need to learn or brush up on, IA University is a perfect place to do that. There are also some key business skills. So if you are needing to manage a small irrigation company, there are some classes there to help you do that in terms of like bidding and estimating and other kind of um, subject matters like that. So the classes will all be lined up on the website as well, and they are separate registration, but it is a great opportunity to kind of have a a day focus of education and training, and then you have an extra day to kind of walk the show floor and participate in some of those networking and social activities
0: too. And then the uh, bookstore. The, yeah. No. That's a, play, that's it's a place, place. From, a, from a novice to somebody with a PhD because your stuff in there is first class on, on your technology books.
4: Yeah, and uh, this year we're actually, so we have the IA Pavilion which is going to be kind of where your one-stop shop is to go ahead and get all information about IA, products, services, or programs. So you can go there and browse publications that we offer, um, ask questions about certification, ask questions about membership, um, anything and anything, volunteer opportunities. That is your one place on the show floor where you can just pop in and there will be some scheduled times for certain topics. But, you know, just swing on by, say hi. We'll have staff people in there throughout the event help you with um, anything you need or any questions you have. And if we don't have the answers, we will get them for you.
0: Um, are you going to have this year, you have over the over the past couple of years of, of small companies coming in and pitching their ideas to others? Yes, so? we
4: do. So kind of going back to like the innovation component for the show itself, we have Innovation Row. That is where these smaller startup irrigation technology companies showcase their newest innovation. So they will there be on the show floor. I think there are 10 of them. So that's a good little group. And they actually do participate in a pitch competition as well. So there's a specific area on the floor for them, for people to go talk to them, for them to kind of showcase their technology. And then they also do compete in a live pitch competition on the show floor that people can come and watch. And then they are recognized during the general session, which will happen on Thursday.
0: Awesome.
2: Chris? Come on back. Yeah, you know, I was going to make a comment. You know, I mean, back, uh, back. Uh, just, I'm going to, you know, kind of give my tenure away here. But uh, from the bookstore right there, I bought, you know, Irrigation Fifth Edition. Right, as the first book that uh, I, I got. Um, just to give you a little timetable here. I mean, you know, that that book. It's an Irrigation Association book. I think first published in like 1983, 82, something like that. Uh, and so by the time I was uh, I was going through all those classes to get my certifications, it was Irrigation Fifth Edition. And uh, Noreen, I'll tell you, I still have my copy uh, intact and on the bookcase uh, at the uh, at, in my office. So there's a there's a great uh, it's it's done me well over the years. That's for sure. You can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you we made, did you. I was we did did do sixth could.
4: edition as well.
0: I was gonna say Chris can autograph it and then you guys could raffle it off.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> we, we can get you to come in and we get your a new one autographed too. So I mean
1: at that point, yeah. I
4: mean the sixth edition is available, publications are available. We love that um we love the tenure, right? It's been actually interesting with my past experience. Um, you know, a decade over a decade at this point now when I was at the last show. Um, I did I did go in twenty two, but You know, seeing what has changed and what hasn't has been really interesting. And so, um, you know, there's some perspective there about, uh, I think there is a really increased sense of energy. Everything seems a little bit faster, a little more exploratory or curious, and that is a great place to be in um, at the show. To, To experience that as a group, as a collective group, is a great feeling. So, so good.
0: And you get, you get a lot of people from, from outside the U.S. as well.
4: We do. We actually do. So um, our exhibiting team works with them, you know, to kind of get them all set up to participate. And so we've actually been seeing an increase in international participation, which is great, um, as well, too, again, it's just keeping everything a little bit competitive and moving fast, right? So that has been actually interesting. And our exhibit numbers are really good so far this year. So I won't jinx us, but, you know, hopefully they're um, continue to be really good later. So that is another thing. And I think going back to, I mean, we were founded in 1949, the association was, and so I think the first record of our technical proceedings, which was kind of the um, genesis of the conference was in the 50s, 1950, I think. So we have a long track history of, you know, serving the industry in this way, and we're really excited about the new things that we're doing as well, kind of going back to what has changed and what hasn't Um keeping some of the, the old and the good, but also trying new things. That's what we're all about this year, too, is essentially failing forward, seeing what does and doesn't work, and continuing to evolve.
2: Do you happen to know, Noreen, when the when the very first IA show was? What year that was and where it was?
4: The show itself, I don't know. The only fact I could dig up was that, that technical proceeding. So I'd have to do a little bit of digging, but, I mean, I know it was going on at least in 2010. And, uh, 2007 you might know a little bit more than me if it was going off sports but i'm confident it
2: was i'd have to do oh, that though so. yeah absolutely i mean i've been going to the show for a long time and i want to say like 30 years so you know we're going back mm-hmm. into the 90s uh here um I, so so i know it's been i know it's been around for a while and and uh, i've been attending it for for a long time being in this industry for uh the bulk of my of my career but um, so I so I monitor the uh, the chat the chat as, uh, as for each broadcast and there's a couple of people saying hey what's the show floor like I mean what can they what can they expect right so kind of how many yep. uh, exhibitors are, are are there what what's the range of, of products that they can expect to see okay
4: yeah I mean the show floor is going to be on the November 29th and 30th dates so it is two days. So this year we are expecting over 200 so 200 plus exhibitors that are only showcasing their products from over 100 product categories. I would say the uh, best source of information for kind of what those product categories are given that there are more than 100 is going to be the website. For anything you're kind of wanting to know the irrigationshow.org website is the place to go to learn about it. But we are expecting high participation from exhibitors, and lots of product categories as well. Um, There's also a thing I would encourage. as you go to the IrrigationShow.org website, there's a new feature on the website called the Attendee Dashboard, and this is an area where people can go and kind of start planning out their experience. So bookmarking companies you want to visit, building a schedule, all those things. And you can organically show up and cruise around, but it does help the plan. So we do encourage people to do so. So on the website, there is a way to do that. And then it will translate over to the mobile app so that you can reference it when you're on the go at the show itself. Oh, All
2: right. Awesome. How about telling some of the, the listeners, because I know that the show floor isn't open during the whole, you know, during the whole time when the some of the other sessions are going on. So kind of, you know, what's the, what are the uh, uh, floor, show floor hours? Mm-hmm.
4: So I am looking here. Sorry, because I know there's lots happening. So
1: the exhibit hall
4: on Wednesday, November 29th, is open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then the on Thursday, the exhibit hall is open from 10 a.m. to 3.30. And there are lots of other things happening on the show floor. So the new product contest is always a very, very popular um, oh, yeah. activity that goes on. Yep. So I don't know if um, either of you, Chris or Rob, have, have experienced it, been a part of it. Um, any any yep. insights there? But we're doing that again this year for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, I have both Rob and I have been involved in that. And of course, at a uh, prior uh, employer, we not only uh, have I entered the new product contest several times, multiple times, um, but I've won it once. So for a, for a product, uh, so that that's sort of my background with that. But. Um, this year uh, and last year and all the years before, I think really for for me, uh, after setup and everything's done, Noreen, the first place I head is uh, up to the new product contest, right? Because I got to see what what's new.
0: Yep, that's that's one of the best things to see. I I, I, I like Chris. Uh, I I introduced the product years ago and and, and it won, and uh, it's very exciting. But I was just thinking, though, no, Noreen, you know we're, you know we're a sponsor of the IA show. And one of the mm-hmm. founding members, and I was just thinking, what would be a neat thing to do? And I am I, asking you on the air; you don't, you can say, "I'll check it out," or "I don't know," and I'll, <laughs> I'll hold you hold you to it. Not putting you in a spot, but you know, for you for those ten companies that are going to pitch their innovation, how about how about we have them come on our radio show uh, at the end of the uh, the IA show and and uh, give them a few minutes to uh, tell the world what they got? That would help them out yeah. as part of, part of sponsoring yeah. with you guys.
4: Yeah, our exhibiting team, I'm sure they will all be listening to this interview afterwards. So um, we can discuss it further. But I mean, I think any opportunity to showcase um, and give some visibility to the advancements in technology that the companies are making, but more importantly, the industry is making, goes back to fueling this mission, right, of, um, you
2: know, efficient
4: water practices and all of that. So any visibility that we can get is, um, is great. And I think, For this year too, there are a couple changes that we're making that we're hoping will also kind of um, create a little bit more excitement about it. So the presentations and the judging will be taking uh, taking place live on the show floor. So attendees can come and actually watch. So that's kind of exciting. And then we are actually, we have three categories, the agriculture category, landscape and landscape lighting. And we're creating two tiers for each category based off of annual revenue. So maybe there's a little bit more quality for some of the smaller and larger companies. So there could potentially be six winners this year, um, two in each category. And then um, the last thing we're doing is we are, we are creating sufficient limits. So each company will only be allowed to enter a maximum of three per category, and then they will be announced during the general session on November 30th. So an exciting Great. competition for sure.
0: you have a special uh, speaker for that general session?
4: Yeah, so the general session is actually still kind of coming together, but we have our plan is a couple new things there, too, as well as I mentioned, um, for us at large, we are commingling this into a hybrid networking and general session event, so there is going to be a hosted breakfast that will be a continental breakfast available for attendees and exhibitors before the session starts. The session itself will, um, it's going to have a, a panel discussion, so we are really looking to get a, a lively group of three or four people up there to discuss um, emerging technologies and market disruptions. Those are kind of our key things that we're looking at right now and finding some speakers who can maybe talk to some of the the trends that we're seeing that are creating challenges but also opportunities. Um, One thing, too, also, we talked about the new product contest being recognized there. Um, The IA award recipients are also recognized there. But also, we do recognize um, the industry's future leaders. And Toro does actually sponsor the irrigation E3 program, which then send, sends a number of students and faculty to the show. And so we always do recognize those students and those faculty members and then some scholarship recipients as well during that show to kind of, as a nod toward our commitment for work, workforce development.
0: So, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, for our, for our listeners who are in the landscaping industry and who, who are not currently a member of the Irrigation Association, it's a real good way to to network, to learn what's on the new products that you're probably never going to hear about, Just you know, going out in the field every single day. Uh, you may not learn it from your distributors, or whatever, but you will learn it at the IA. The classes are awesome, uh, great teachers, uh, uh, instructors for that. And uh, it's it, and as they say, they even have classes tell you how to run how to run a business, a small business in, in landscape industry. So I think it's an awesome, awesome thing to do. We're very proud to be. Be there, and, and as again, as a founding member of the IA from years ago, um, you guys are awesome people. You're great to work with, and uh, uh, for our listeners again, who have who maybe a small little business, you really need to step up one and, and, and join the big buys, and uh, your 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 uh, your work and, and your business will improve significantly. So yeah. that's all I got to I say.
4: That. Yeah, and just uh, registration is open. Early bird closes October 16th, so um, we encourage people to register before then to save a little bit of money. So, um, again, irrigationshow.org is the place to go to get all that information.
2: I got one more question for you, Noreen, and I guess you're, again, you know, catering to to the chat board here because somebody asked, is there going to be a party this year?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Partay? That might have been
2: you, Rob. I don't know.
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> we actually kind of have two parties for you all as part of them, so the socialization component networking. So, on the first night, Tuesday, November 28th, there is our River Walk Fiesta. So, that is going to be on the famous San Antonio River Walk. We will have music, networking, light reserves. So, it's a great place to take off the week. Um, then, we actually have on Thursday, November 30th, right around about an hour, and an hour and a half before the show closes, the craft rest, group So, that is a great way to sample some local brews um, and uh, have a, another networking opportunity. Um, we also have tons of raffles for, for members. So there are about $2,500 of the raffles that will be handed out to members throughout the event. So, um, yes, there's a beginning party and a closing party. So the closing, where, example, where's,
0: the, where's the closing party going to be located?
4: The craft we will actually be on
0: the straight before. Yeah, absolutely. It's,
4: um, it's really interesting. That's yep. It. So it's these people there. There's people kind of winding
2: down. Straight up, grab a cold one and, and kind of wrap up the show. It's a great way to close. Yeah. Rob and I will be broadcasting the Water Zone live that Thursday from uh, from the IA shows, uh, Noreen. So uh, you know, look forward to that as well.
0: Well, we got to we got to wrap it up, Noreen. We love you. to do Thanks for coming on the show. But we got to turn it over to NBC. Otherwise, they'll uh, cancel our show. <laughs> we don't want to do that. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, and we appreciate it. And we'll talk to you in a couple weeks.
4: Okay,
2: thanks, Chris Robson. Thank you, Noreen. Thank you. All right,
0: my the audience, thanks for joining us again. And uh, the most important thing that Chris and I want to tell you this week is what we do every single week is please help keep your planet (laughs) Planet blue. blue. All right, good night, everybody. Have a good day.
3: KCAA Loma Linda. (laughs) The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM.